For the first time in a long time, the late day buyers are not rewarded as we're we're trading pretty good in the red. Mixed bag earnings, the cause for that, weak China data, a couple different catalysts, but we're still clinging to 4,600. We got some earning stocks to cover, some good, as I said, and some bad. Ivan Seth remains bullish. And he likes some certain stocks AI related. So we'll have Ivan on at 835. This is pre-market prep on a Tuesday. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit. This is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's run down the stock index futures. After testing Friday and Monday's high, we're down 14 and a half handles at 4,600. The buck. Continued strength, that's up 35 cents at 101.98. Bonds right at 124, that's down about a half a point. Crude still firmly in the 80 handle, but down 19 cents at 81.61. Gold down 18.30, that would be your Dece gold. Your August gold is looking a whole lot different, and don't ask me why you have the big premium. Uh, you're looking at silver here. Silver's down 40 cents at 24.56. Bitcoin under 29K, down $355 at $28,930. Let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, uh, you know, strong close. That that rally in the last uh, 10 minutes uh, had me leaning the wrong way overnight. Did you see anything up to that 8 o'clock hour that you know, talk, would talk of a, a little bit of a reversal? Uh, no, I think it's China, to be honest. China. I think we really got hit overnight in China, and we're starting to take leads from elsewhere. Also, Europe down substantially. So I'm going to blame the overseas markets because we really didn't have any major earnings that are driving the bus here this morning. Actually, a couple uh, are actually doing pretty good, some of the major stocks. So I think I'm going to blame it on overseas markets here today. Okay. Mitch, who are you blaming it on? Well, I just think like this is this is just how it, it's been. Uh, we've we've gotten this pattern before, where uh, a lot of times we're ripping into the close, we come down in the morning, we look all bad, and then we rip right back up. So, so the, uh, where are you guys at? Are you guys still like uber bullish here? You moving to a bullish. neutral stance? Money just threw out there. I, I know. Mean, I, I know. I, well, I, I mean, know. I'm how sideways. Could I, how could I'm I be saying... anywhere else than bullish? I'm, I'm saying shopping sideways in quiet markets. I don't think, again, I'm just going to say once we get past this week, this is like what you said, 2,800 companies reporting this week. Mm-hmm. I think once we get past this week, we're going to enter the dog days of August. And I think it's going to be quiet. So the I think it's going to be a little bit choppy, a little quiet. I don't think you're going to sell off substantially. I don't think you're going to rally substantially. I think we're just going to chop around here for August. So I'm yeah. saying short term sideways. Okay, I, I would I would lean bullish to neutral. I agree with Dennis. There's no reason to lean the other way, but yeah, definitely. Well, no reason to get full bearish here. Okay. No, I mean it could happen. Okay, I I would just say and well, I'll just base it. I the exact number is a little bit lower. 
But I think over the next couple of days, leading into some big earnings reports, right? Apple and Amazon, two of the last one, and then we'll see what we get from the retail earnings, right? That's that's still not down the line. I think it's a battle of forty six hundred here. And it's, you know, all the big handles that we talk about. We're back up to the highs from April twenty-two. Uh so I'm I'm neutral to bearish up here. I'll take the other side of the gun. Not out there shorting stocks, not out there buying puts or shorting futures. I'm just saying there's a 4,600 needs to be defended. And uh, right now we're at 4,601. So we'll see what happens. And and what? By the end of the day, by the end of the week, jobs number on Friday could shake things up too. And and Amazon, Apple are going to shake things up. There it goes. I mean, Thursday, we're going to have more information. And that could change our tune here too. So as you get more information, I'm going to say this once again. As you get more fundamental information, not only about the markets, but about macro, but about major companies, it moves the needle. It drives the bus. It'll dictate direction, not only for that day, but maybe for a few days. You know, if Apple and Amazon come out and kill it again, that keeps everybody confident. But if one of them warns, that changes the whole narrative. So as a trader, you have to change your opinion. As an investor, you just stay bullish long-term. Tom Lee style. Bullish long term. Your ten years. If your time horizon is ten years or more, you're buying dips on the market always. It's just how investing works. But as a trader, and my job as a trader, you have to go. You have to be able to be bullish. You have to be able to be bearish. You have to be able to just think when you're going to go sideways as well. You've got to be able to like feel and and trade with direction. You've also got to realize you know what type of market you're in. So you know which directional bets you're making. So I think you've got to be able to change your opinion. And we're going to get information Thursday from Amazon and Apple that could potentially change our opinion. So you got to tune in every day. That's the key. I mean, people reach out to me and say, oh, yeah, you were bearish Tesla, you know, back in, you know, December and, and whatever. You know, yeah, but we are allowed to change our tune. That's the important part. You talk about What's this that? all the time, Dennis. It's not important about being right or wrong. It's about understanding when you're wrong and quickly adjusting to it. Because as a trader, that's our job. It's, 100%. You've it, got about it. Trader, if you stick to the same just bullish theme or bearish theme, if you were sticking to the bullish theme all through 2020 and 20, well, 2021 and 2022, you probably had really bad years. You probably had really bad years. I had really good years then. I'm having an okay year here too. You've got to be able to change your opinion to suit the market environment. Now, you know, one thing that we we just got to be looking out for, the only thing that I think that could change anything this is political landscape changing across. You know, if something happens in China, something happens in Europe, that's the only thing that I could see changing this market. And I think that that's just one thing. Or if Apple or Amazon warn. That would change it too. Or I mean, I expect to hear AI news from them. Let's just be honest. And yeah. I, I, I think that will help them out because Amazon hasn't really come out with an AI and neither has Apple. And we've heard about it. I think they're going to tell us a little bit more about that um, coming up here. And I think that two of the strongest companies haven't really gotten that AI lift. Just get ready. I mean, if they, they really come out with some good AI products, maybe they could get the lift also. Anyways, lots of things to talk about. Interesting morning here. So many companies reporting. Not a lot of major companies, but some interesting companies, some widely followed companies. So let's jump into a few of these. Let's go to Uber as they're reaching profitability. What? Let's talk a little bit about this. Q2 EPS of two cents. 
Two sets, baby. Beats the That's estimate of a loss more than yesterday. Of one set. Uh, while sales slightly missed at $9.2 billion, estimate was at $9.32 billion. Q2 gross booking surged to $36.6 billion, up 16% year over year. Uber Technologies, definitely the favorite here for ride sharing. Can it keep going? They could not stop buying the stock ahead of the report last night, Joel. They were just crazy, <laughs> and they were buying it and buying it. And it was trading like 51. It was up a buck and a half last night ahead of the report. And I was like, holy man, somebody's just convicted that this thing's coming out and beating. And then it's funny. On the initial number, they're like, oh, my gosh, it's not that good. And they tanked it. I see All that. the way down to 47 and a half. I and then they're like, wait wow. a second, wait a second. But they made a profit for the first time, gap profit ever. And then they bought it all the way back up to 52 and a half. So it's already had a 10% range, despite only the oh, 1%. It's had a 10% range here. And basically that first like minute after the earnings report, those algos, they crazy, man. Those algos be crazy. i tell you right now, I was not in front of my computer in front of this report. I, I would have. I would have never have bought. I would that dip. I would have. I, you know. I wouldn't even have been looking at levels. I wouldn't have been prepared for anything. But what we talked about on the closing print was, man, you got a pair of monthly highs in the fifty-two handle, fifty-two oh three, fifty-two thirty-six. After trading down to forty-seven fifty, you're back at this area. I mean, give me. I mean, that was like a gift, especially after the daily run that you had. I mean. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's major resistance. If you took something off at 52, you probably weren't, weren't too happy when it went over 52.50. That's all history now. I mean, this better stay green today. That's all I have to say. You closed at 49.46. Overall, they like to report. We'll find, find support there. And then I'll just do a reset. I mean, if it gets... I don't think you're going to get back up to 52 now. Because, I don't think so either. Yeah, too many people are stopped. I think... 50 and a half, you got to be out there. 51, you got to be out there. 51 and a half. I mean, from a daily perspective, I think you got to get out there on the offer side. I think it goes red. I don't know why. Just the spidey feeling, I, you know, the spidey senses. I think it goes red. So it's trading up a buck here still right now. There's a lot of people who are uber bullish. And I think that they got the results. They were pretty good. But when you start thinking of context here, the stock was $35 three months ago. It's 50. It's <laughs> run a long ways for two cents of earnings. A long ways. So I think Uber goes red today. Just my you, opinion. You know what the most concerning chart of the of the earnings season has been so far? Microsoft? Uh, that's concerning for sure. But That's concerning. No, it was one of the concerning. early ones. A stock that had a huge run. Made a high of the day. I'll just show it to you. No more guessing. Delta. Delta. Oh, yeah. Have okay. you seen this thing? I, I mean, I know. I mean, but this makes sense, right? I mean, look at that run. I'm waiting for a pullback. I think there's a lot of pullback buyers waiting on the airline. I think so too. <laughs> I do. Like, think I'm just like, come down earnings, to me. I think Joel's making a good point, though. His point being that this is a classic earnings run up, expectations so high. The earnings were excellent. The earnings were really good, it, but they right. turned around and they sold it simply because expectations were too high. And do we hit that wall? You know, are we hitting that wall? Because let's look. The evidence is that that is what has been happening. Tesla's numbers were fine, but expectations too high. Netflix mm -hmm. numbers were fine, but expectations too high and the stock sold off. 
So this is what we are seeing here now. Even we could segue over into TAP, into Molson Coors, which had a pretty darn good quarter, but expectations were too high for TAP, which we're going to get to here in a second. We might as well go into this because uh, obviously everybody thought that they were just going to eat all of Bud's lunch. They ate some of it, but maybe not as much. And now you're seeing TAP get hit here today on this. Mitch, what were the earnings here? Because this is my point. TAP yeah. was running up too. This we, is the we, point for the entire earnings season so far as Joel's point that expectations are just maybe too high. Yeah, same thing. We'll, we'll, we'll do TAP and then we'll also go Norwegian. I think that falls both mm-hmm. in line with this story. Let's do that. Let's go Molson Coors here. Q2 adjusted EPS at $1.78 beat the $1.59 estimate. Sales of $3.27 billion missed the $3.29 billion estimate. And everyone was expecting TAP to just kill it. Yes. Kill it, kill it. And yep. I mean, they beat, but is it really that good of a beat? I think everybody thought they were going to just have the quarter of all quarters because we know Bud's Bud Light, obviously, their loss is probably Tab's gain. And it was a decent quarter. But here you are, and the stock is trading down three bucks here this morning, down sure. 4%. Do I think the dip gets bought? I do. I think you'll find uh, buyers beneath here somewhere, You know, especially if they got down to that 65 area. I don't know if it's going to get that low. But again, expectations just too high. So do Norwegian too. Throw it in there because this is all part of the same conversation. Do the NCLH yeah. and then we're going to get Joel to break down the technicals on both of these. Let's take a look there. Norwegian Cruise Lines coming in with a Q2 adjusted EPS at $0.30 cents beats the $0.27 cent estimate. Sales of $2.21 billion beat the $2.18 billion estimate, but still not getting the lift. This is the problem is that RCL set the bar so oh. high for Norwegian because we know RCL just came out and killed it, man. Maybe that's because of, that's the cruise that Money Mitch was on, but they rocked it. <laughs> and what can I say? now I you get a lot. The, the bar set higher for the other cruise lines. Norwegian comes out and is like, well, they beat B, but they didn't kill it. What are you doing wrong? Because RCL killed it. And now you see NCLH trained down almost 10% here this morning. Um, down 9% here right now, simply because the bar was too high. That's mm-hmm. what we're running into. We're running into the problems. Even though analyst expectations are not that high, they want to see people, they want to see the companies coming out and killing it, like blowing the analyst estimates away because beating it is not good enough. Last quarter, beating it was good enough because we were kind of still in the gutter on a lot of stocks. We're not in the gutter anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore. Expectations are higher to be beat by a wider margin. And that's what we're not seeing so far this earnings season. Joel, break down the technicals here. 18, dips. Well, I got down to 1891, and you've gotten a little bit of a bounce here. Uh, let's see what this low was. That low was 1954. What I'm going to do on this one is I'm just going to look at these multiple lows right here at the 20, let's call it 2030, 2040 area. So if this stock is going to be defended, by the bulls this is going to catch a bid really quickly i don't think we're going to get up and fill the gap but i just don't like this this area underneath here i don't care about the pre-market low i don't care about 1954 i'm just looking at this vacuum that you have between 18 and 20 so i think the bulls gotta right away get aggressive and get a bid here I think this is going to be a teeny bopper by the end of the day. Uh, for the for the uh, Molson cores, uh, down two forty four. It's tough. I, I wouldn't be stepping up to buy this thing until I no. see the same formation that I saw on the upside here. Someone was selling ahead of the report in the seventy handle for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight 
days in a row. Let's just call it 70-50. They're like, we're out. We're selling. So uh, for looking for support on this, man, we're under 68. I think the next daily low is 66. But you got to see a better formation, uh, like a similar formation on the bottom. Like you did up here in the top before you get serious about getting law and this thing. And, and I did trade this this morning, and I actually intentionally took it through earnings. I um I I, I had it on last night. It got bid up quite a bit last night. You can see it was even trading like 70, 30, 70, 40. Yeah, right there. I took off. I took off three quarters of the position. I took off a big chunk of the position, and then I held just a little small piece just for fun through the earnings. The earnings report hit it right around seven o'clock, and I looked at it, and I'm like, I don't think it's good enough. I thought that was my initial thought was like the revenue missed. I'm like, how's the revenue missing? You know, when Bud's doing so bad. So then I was like, I don't know. So I ended up turning around and selling it right around seven. It was, it was, it was, I was a very small position, but I turned around and sold at 70 bucks because somebody was bidding and they're like, oh yeah, it's beat. It's good. It's, and I'm like, I don't think it's good enough. So I sold at 70. I wish I actually would have went short, <laughs> but I sold my long and I pretty much was high ticking it after it traded a little bit at 70, 69, 90, 70. Not right much. Yeah. Not much, like, like like very small. Um, and again, I was very small on that because I don't like taking stocks through earnings. But I was like, I take a little piece just for fun through the earnings. Um, and you know, lucky you know that I made that call. It just like sometimes earnings interpretation. You know, you can make some money interpreting too. Like I think an expectation higher. My thought process was, yeah, it's a beat. They beat pretty good on the bottom line, but a revenue miss. Like I don't think they're gonna like that. That's why I turned around, sold along, and I wish I would have went short. Yeah, I, I I don't know about tap. I I I definitely would probably stay away from this. I just I, I know that it's gotten the lift. It's gotten forty percent. Even if it does get some buy the, the dip in here, is the bud story still the same? I I don't well, think it's still the same. Well, the other thing. problem for tap, Mitch, it's a consumer staple, and we know exactly. Like, I've been hating on consumer staples. Then growth. There's no there's not the growth here, and the second thing is the Tina trade, the lack of you know. There is no alternative. No, there is an alternative, and it's called T-bills, and it's called 5%. So, I mean, that's not working in any consumer staple's favor. And maybe we should segue this conversation just to, not that it's consumer staple, but to healthcare, Johnson & Johnson, because we talked about this stock yesterday, and I'm like, it's trading with a pretty high multiple for having all these lawsuits, you know, hanging over it. So we were talking about when it was 171 on pre-market prep yesterday. Interesting enough, Kramer... I guess he likes our pre-market prep content. He turned around and he sold his J&J. He said for years, said last night on Mad Money, he sold his J&J because he's worried about the lawsuits. And I'm like, this is what I'm worried about here too. So you could have heard that 10 hours earlier on pre-market prep. But I mean, it was, you know, investors are thinking like that. And here's J&J down another dollar again. I know people are coming in saying, well, J&J is going to eventually go back up. It might, but we can't quantify these lawsuits. And if you listen to yesterday's show, I'm very concerned that this number is going to be much higher than the $9 billion that Johnson & Johnson had set aside for it. I don't think it's going to be $700 billion, but I think it's going to be much higher. And I think this is going to weigh on the stock. And then you talk about treasuries at 5%. Why come into a Johnson & Johnson sitting around for 2.8% dividend when you got treasuries at 5 and take on that kind of risk? So Jim Cramer, I think, is absolutely correct to have sold this stock. I said it yesterday. I am scared of this stock being long. This stock right now at 171 is now 166, five points lower from our conversation just yesterday. So haters, we got this one right. I think we're going to continue to be right here. I think you got to sell rallies in J and J. I think this could go a lot lower. Where, where why, do you go? Where do you go for support in this one? 
Like where like, yeah. to where it went before earnings to the 157. And it could be a short visit there. Like we could be there in very fairly quickly. If there's another headline, and again, you know, we don't know. And this is gonna go on for a long time. This is not gonna get solved tomorrow, next week, probably not even next year. This could weigh on the stock for years because they they thought they had the solution when they were going to spin off. We gave this conversation already, so you guys, if you listened yesterday, already know it. But they thought they had the solution. They were going to bankrupt that certain portion of the company at $9 billion or whatever, 8.7 or whatever it was, set aside for the lawsuits. It's not enough money. That's what I'm telling you right now. I don't think it's enough money. I think it's going to cost them a lot more than that. That's why I don't want to own stock. What I wanted to say is that uh, Kramer also admitted that he misjudged the severity of this li- litigation. And I think that Dennis, you've been on top of this from the very start. I said you, you definitely don't said yeah. uh, this. This has a lot of warning signs here. And then when Dennis saw that eighteen million, that definitely put that him was on a alert. Thing. He was just like, "Yeah, no, come on, man. If this guy's gonna get eighteen million, who knows what's gonna happen in this situation?" And that alone is also the reason you're seeing Kramer make this, is he just doesn't know what's going to happen. Nobody that, does. That's that the biggest problem. The problem. That's the risk. You know, It's huge risk. And you're not. it's not like you're getting J&J to 3M 11 times earnings. Cheap, I mean, yeah, they've cheap. discounted it a lot. So you start thinking about like, holy macro, man. You start thinking about like, you know, this kind of money and this kind of, you know, the multiple is not that cheap. I'm like. There's just safer places for your money. J&J, for the first time in a long time, is not a safe place for your money. That's what I'm going to say today. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And and just definitely, uh, if you're looking for, I, I I can't, I can't give you anything. I, I see a, that low at 161.30, but I don't think the expectations are to get back uh, to that area today. Um, I think you just got to keep uh, eye on the closes. And right now, if you get a look at 167.53 at that area, that's I'll call that pretty good risk resistance for now. J and J trading in the red by almost a stick. Yeah, I see a big head and shoulders on that monthly. I wouldn't touch it. We'll see what and, happens. And it's down today because Kramer said that last night. Yourself? It's yes. down today because Kramer said he featured it for five minutes at the end of his show, and he says a long time holding. And I've sold it. It started selling off right at that time. You can look at 655 last night was the time it started selling off again. They're like, holy crap, Jim Cramer thinks this is bad too. I mean, you love him or hate him, but he's got weight. And he just spoke to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people saying, I've had this for years. I don't want to own it because I don't know the risk. Same thing we were saying 10 hours earlier. Obviously, pre-market prep doesn't have the weight that Jim Cramer does. But I mean, we're, you know, we're just, we're, we're all, a lot of people are coming up with the same conclusion here. This is risky. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into other healthcare stocks. We'll put these together really quick. Let's go Merck and Pfizer together here. We'll go Merck Q2 EPS, uh, $2.06, a loss of $2.06, beats the loss of $2.17 estimate. Sales of $15.4 billion beat the $14.39 billion, and they revised fiscal year 23 revenue guidance to 58.6 and 59.6 billion versus a consensus of 53.18 billion so that's looking good there for the revenue uh the prior guidance is definitely getting lift also adjusted eps outlook getting lift here for merck 
What was the other one Pfizer going to do with the two? Pfizer. Yeah, let's let's give their numbers really quickly. Uh, Q2 adjusted EPS at 67 cents, beat the 57 cent estimate. Sales of 12.73 billion missed the 13.17 billion estimate. They revised fiscal 23 revenue guidance also to 67 billion to 70 billion versus a 61.01 billion. Uh, so you're seeing definitely uh, revenue guidance going up for Pfizer and Merck here. Um, I own Pfizer, you know that. I had Merck in my portfolio for the better part of a decade, and I sold in the last year just because I felt like it's just not, you know, it's, well, valuation getting a little bit stretched, but not still cheap compared to like Lilly and stuff. These are both dirt cheap. Been wrong on the Pfizer because obviously I underestimated the impact that the lack of, you know, COVID shots, you know, revenue here was going to hit. Um, I think it's come down far enough like that it's discounted a lot of that. I still, you know, do you still own Pfizer? You still own Peace 2, don't, don't you, Joe? Yeah, I'm in both of them. I like to sell both of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Both the kind of dogs. Yeah, no, yeah. well. It's not no, going anywhere, well, right? The, nah, the Pfizer, I mean, I'm not, we're not, I'm not too far off my entry. So yeah, it's, this has been a horrible a year, at least for yeah. Pfizer, for sure. Um, I mean. The, you know, the Merck, um, I bought this thing bad. I remember I bought it like in the, 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 the these pops right here in early uh, in um, late 21. And I wrote it down. But the thing about this one is, I, and I'm looking at the pro right now, it, like right when it was trading in this area, you got all these like price target raises and buy. And either there was actually, a, you know, a buy rating. And I was just thinking, man, oh man, you're buying Merck here up at these levels. So, a uh, little bit shorter. I mean, I just don't like the chart, especially if this takes out the support at uh, at one hundred five and a quarter. We're still three bucks away from it. You're getting a little bit of a bounce, uh, but uh, the next daily high. I mean, I think you got paper. We are at one hundred eight. That's one daily high. I mean, if this thing, I don't know, sellers are coming down in this one. If in fact you could hold one hundred eight, the next daily high is one hundred eight seventy two. But this looks like a tired chart. Yeah, tired Again, chart. Of I don't course. know if I want to own these stocks. Sorry, sorry, no. Mitch. I was weird. No, no. I mean, I, I agree with you that on the COVID operational revenue growth, things like this. It just doesn't look like a stock that I want to own. Uh, and Merck is a little bit better, I think, on the monthly. You can see it holding up, and that's why uh -huh. I would probably, if I if I wanted to have one of the one of these, I'd probably have Merck just because it's holding the trend compared to Pfizer. And that's what I would say uh, is I would stick to it as long as it can keep holding that monthly trend on Merck. I think Treasury's way on these two, though. I'm still going to keep saying healthcare, drugs. Yeah, I've got a little bit of healthcare in the long term portfolio. Um, I'd rather almost be XBI at this point. But um, yeah, that might it, make sense for sure. Well, you get the if you're going in, you know, I'm taking market risk. And don't kid yourself, the market gets ugly, everything goes down. But, you know, healthcare is defensive. I just feel like I'm just not, the only reason I'm taking market risk is if I'm getting really big returns. And I just don't think you're going to get that in Merck or Pfizer. That's a good matter. point. Yep. Well, it looks like, I don't know, maybe it's all AI tractors because uh, Caterpillar continuing going here. Q2 EPS here at $5.55 beats the $4.00. And 51 cent estimates, sales of 17.32 billion beat the 16.5 billion estimate. Adjusted operating profit margin was at 21.3% for the second quarter of 23 compared wow. to 13.8 for the second quarter of 2022. 
So like I've been saying it, the cat's out the hat, man, and keep on going. There is no recession in construction right now. And to, to the point that I made a little while ago, which I had missed, obviously, on the home builders, it's just like people put off doing projects when you know the prices were high they're they're now bringing those projects back in and it's getting busy again it's why i did my shop i put it off for two years because lumber prices are too high lumber prices come back in a little bit i'm doing the, the project so it's prices of stuff as you know it's funny as we do see some deflation in certain things you know like not so much steel but lumber has come down significantly in other things there's more projects happening here now again so that kind of fuels it and we know interest rates you know, that people are just finding a way. You think interest rates are higher. It's going to be less people to do stuff to do, but they find a way. So, you know, I think the construction industry is still booming. Caterpillar is still booming. With that being said, stock was $210 back in June. It's $268 here now. It's been a hell of a run. At this point, if you're buying it now, you're chasing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you get a look at this 270 area again, 270, 30, uh, 270.33 is a high. I can't think about buying this uh, this stock. Um, it's breaking out to a new all time high. I'm not necessarily shorting it, but man, up three bucks. Uh, keep an eye on the you know there's probably some large paper in the book at 270. That's probably why it stopped at that area. Um, if you're buying this thing off the open, you just better you want instant gratification. You want to see a 270 yeah. bid. Why are we falling out of bed here? Where uh, it's at a pretty steady decline. Have we seen yeah, it's just any? Uh, yeah. I, I don't see anything really helping us here. This is why we're falling out of bed because if we look and the earnings that we have had have been pretty good, but some of the stocks, you know, they're up. But then you get Norwegian, it was pretty good earnings, but expectations too high. It is a teeny bopper now here, Joel. Um, but just right across the board. And then you got Europe, which was down overnight. You got China, which was down overnight. You got a lot of reasons to just keep taking profits here. I did too. I mean, I, you know, we know on Friday, I was nervous. Friday morning, I took a bunch of profits and everything. SPY is still kind of the same spot. It's a little bit actually down from where I was selling stocks. But, you know, I sold, I tweeted it out. I sold all of my General Motors. I sold half of my Airbnb. I sold half of my AMD. I sold something else i can't remember but the four stocks so i took you know and and that's a pretty good chunk so i in my long-term mm -hmm. portfolio we're talking um i just you know feel like some of these stocks have run pretty far so it's kind of like profit taking amd maybe the exception but it's just been meandering here for so long i was like i'm just gonna sell half of it so it's been a pretty good trade we're in it like 93 so sell half and i'm gonna hold the other half so yeah i can see a little but general motors here. sorry no, no, I can see a little topping also I wanted to show on like XLI. Um, and you can clearly see that there on the daily. Um, I think Joel would he, he'd give us a nice little level there uh, to oh, kind of yeah. look out for. And I think that this is one that kind of shows you a little bit of some topping action in those industrials like Caterpillar, Deer. I rolled the Deer trade from 400 to 440. I, I got out of it and I'm looking for it to come right back down. Come right back down to 420s and I'll take it again. I, I mean, I have no problem mm. taking this trade again. Um, the key is getting in and out on these trades. And that's what I've learned a little bit on these industrials. They love to give you that rip on the daily, but then they also give you that heavy pullback that you've seen in the last couple of days. I'm looking for a little bit more. Would it be rushing out to buy this at, uh, uh, at 420? But um, let's see, that's getting a little bit of a sympathetic move for your dear traders out there. 
What do I not? Not much. Is it anywhere near 434? Now, for a lot of these stocks, I mean, I you know, you got to look at yesterday's highs as pretty good levels. And then if, uh, oh, that's so two bucks away, uh, 432.89. And if it goes red, 429.60. I don't know. It's a tough chart here on deer, but I, man, I don't know. I'd be, I don't think I'd be rushing out to buy it at 420. We just, we just nicked uh, yesterday's low here. Globex low at 95 and a quarter. So going to 93, trying to catch a little bit here. Uh, going into the open. Where else Joel, we go? We got something some you say too, just before we go. I want to talk Tupperware and a point you made a while ago when we actually. This was probably a few months ago. But you ended up being correct. And then we actually were weak for a month or so after. When you start seeing these rallies and, you know, these smaller short squeeze zombie type companies, and they're just like buying, you know, just irregardless of price. I'm just getting in because I've got to be in. And I mean, this Tupperware TUP has just been blasting off here because it has a high short interest. I mean, Herb Greenberg, uh, props to Herb. He's been talking about, well, just, you know, just giving him a shout out there. We know he's a great guy. Um, Herb actually, you know, has been talking about this and just, you know, calling it out like it's like ridiculous that things go on dollar, two dollar, three dollar, four dollar, five dollars. And these things can continue to squeeze like this. But typically, let's not just talk just Tupperware, but talk in the context of the overall market. When you see excessive speculation like this, it's more historically the sign of getting towards the end of the market where people are reaching to just find something else that hasn't gone. I'm going to buy the bankrupt company. Because everything is not the Tupperware is bankrupt, but it's close to it if it's not. I mean, I'm going to buy, you know, like, you know, this because I've just got to be in stocks and everything is going to go up. But typically when everything starts going up, you're getting more towards the end of the Mm -hmm. cycle as opposed to the beginning of the cycle. I think the second half is going to be a lot more challenging for the bulls than the first half was. And I think it's signs like this with Tupperware. We get the success of speculation happening. That makes me even more nervous to be all in on stocks. It, it just yeah. shows me more and more the bubble environment, right? I mean, yes. it, this is this is that type of environment where you're seeing stocks doesn't matter the fundamentals. It doesn't even matter the technicals. It's just more they're just coming after it. They're just coming after it. it and just lifting it at all means. Um, and then you see the traders out there right now. How are the like the the lower penny stock traders right now? I can tell you because we have a lot of those like in our live trading, and they're all looking for them. They're like, when's the next runner? What's the next hundred percent? Where's the next hundred yeah. percent? They're not looking for ten percent. They're looking for a hundred percent movers. Yeah. And so I think we need to keep watching this and look to see when we finally get some of these to get wrecked. What do I mean? I'm not saying that it's going to happen today, but eventually these are going to have some heavy pullbacks, and that's when we got to really kind of be on alert. Uh, before we go to Ivan, uh, just to, to comment on this, really not going to uh, comment on the pre-market or like the long-term price action. These are when I when stocks go into these kind of modes, I really like to keep an eye on the volume. You know, big volume coming in on uh, the update a couple days ago, and then they had a down day, not as much volume. Another big volume update. So you're going to keep having to find more buyers and buyers and buyers to keep it going. So once the volume starts to uh, either you know taper off or go down, then you get a little bit of a consolidation. You know, then maybe you're running out of buyers on this one. But uh, trading up a buck oh three right now at five thirty. All right, let's get out of the markets right now. Let's continue talking about what's going on, of course, in different areas in tech. Of course, the AI seems to stay strong. Will it break? Let's find out. Let's talk to our guest today. Let's get to the action. 
All right. Good morning to Ivan Feinstein. He is over the CIO over at Tigris Financial Partners. And Ivan, you probably didn't like um, our talk uh, earlier in the show before you came on because we were we were talking a little bearish. Why don't you come in here and hit us upside the head and uh, talk about the good things going on in the market? Well, you know, in the past few times I was on in March, I was on in May. I was b very bullish in March. By the way, I was talking about the fact that the market, when the market was struggling, you had industrial stocks leading the market higher. Those were the, that was the sector that was doing well. Caterpillar, Deer, and a few of the others. And I said at the time, you cannot have a recession if the industrial stocks are leading the market higher. They are the most economically sensitive group. So we're seeing the results of uh, you know this soft landing, no landing, the, the the bullish narrative of peak Fed, deflation, no soft landing, no landing, and to me Powell may be back to being the best Fed governor ever. You know when they say don't fight the Fed, maybe Powell was on our side all along. People said he was trying to talk down the market every time that we'd have a post FOMC meeting, and he would. You know, the market would rally and he would start to speak, saying higher for longer. The Fed's got to be aggressive in fighting inflation. And he's really been a friend to the market the whole time. And I think we are going to end the year above 4,800 on the S&P 500. And um, look, we, we got a recovery in earnings coming in the second half of this year. We got inflation is on a strong downtrend, maybe not as fast as the Fed would like, but the CPI is at 3% down from its peak of 9% a year ago. And I think that the Fed, with this last rate increase that we saw on uh, July 26th, I think that they're done. They're going to you know, take a wait-and-see, data-driven position, but I think everything is working, and I think we're, we're pretty much done with the Fed. And now, while... S&P 500 earnings are supposed to be down around 6 to 7% this quarter. They're going to be up about 1% next quarter and as high as up 8% in Q4. And then things really take off again in 24. We know the market's six plus months forward looking. So uh, I think the trend is higher. You got five and a half trillion dollars in money market balances on the sidelines. You got uh, a, a massive need to unwind very bearish positions. And you're going to have this FROMO catch-up trade from all these managers that have underperformed so far this year. And even, you know, Tina, back to there's is no alternative. Even with 5% money markets, as high as 5% money markets, the, mark, the, the stock market's up 20% so far this year on the S&P. So I think all points to green lights. And I think the, the S&P will exceed 4,800 by the end of this year. All right, Ivan, let's talk a little bit about what we're seeing, right? Of course, uh, we have AI that's really come into this market. And I refer to AI as sometimes like there's like hype AI and there's like real AI that's going to show up on the bottom line, right? And I think that this is what investors need to be thinking about now as they're going for AI investments. What are you seeing in different spaces, maybe like software, infrastructure? What are you seeing in AI? Where is it really going to come into play, Ivan? Well, I think that uh, companies like Microsoft, Google, Amazon are going to be leaders in the AI revolution. Then you got companies like C3AI. And to quote Tom Siebel from the founder of C3AI, every company is going to have to be an AI company. You're going to have it used in pharmaceutical for drug discovery and analysis. They're even talking about Caterpillar as an AI company and Deer. I saw two years ago 
at um, the Consumer Electronics Show uh, a, a demonstration by Deere of a fully autonomous, uh, fully autonomous equipment. Now, there's actually a shortage of farmers. The kids just don't want to be farmers anymore. So farmers are going to have to use technology to increase crop yields and make up for the shortage of labor and, and this more mechanical revolution, industrial revolution in farming. Uh, the same thing with Caterpillar. You're, you're, even they're talking about Ingersoll Rand, one of the largest manufacturers of compressors and vacuum pumps as an AI company, if they're going to be able to help in, uh, improve um, mechanical technology. And almost every machine in some level has either a vacuum pump or a compressor in it. So uh, it's going to be prevalent everywhere. And like Tom Siebel said, Every company is going to be an AI company because companies are going to have to use AI to leverage the value of their data. And it's going to have to be custom applications because those have those will become companies competitive advantages. You know, you're not going to be able to buy shrink wrap off the off the shelf software. And this is why I like companies that enable you to customize AI tools like MongoDB and Amazon.com. Okay. There you go. Those are two names definitely to keep an eye out for. And I, I've been also keeping an eye out, especially I like Monday.com. Uh, I think stocks like this that are in kind of the HR space and to things that, you know, already are usually run by one or two people. This is where AI could really come into play, right? Because now you could really have one person kind of watching the AI and the AI itself could run these departments. And I think that moments like this is where i really see something coming into the industry and completely changing the stock um so monday.com definitely on my radar there ivan can't blame me for mentioning that one uh let's keep going here i think joe has the next one for us uh well i just want to ask you you know what do you think the overall impact on ai is going to have on on employment right if all these machines are i mean you got the shortage of have a great it's going to have a great impact because AI, is there anything anything negative about AI? Well, yes, we all love the talking computer and the self-driving car, but we've all seen Terminator, so we know how it could end. Huh. <laughs> That's well, what I'm AI, worried about, the Terminator scenario. AI is not going to take your job. A person using AI is going to take your job. It's just like I've been talking about Adobe and AI for months, and now uh, another firm just upgraded Adobe at this level on their AI uh, initiative. But AI is not going to take the job of a graphics designer. A graphics designer using AI is going to take the job of a non-AI using graphic designer. And you're going to see the skill set rise. And with that, incomes rise because it will be more technical and it will be more value added. So it has a positive impact on employment because it will help raise skill sets and raise compensation levels. All right. I want to ask a little bit of something different now. Of course, uh, we saw Tesla mentioned on the recent call that they could potentially license out FSD and things like this. And of course, I've been keeping an eye on the LiDAR plays for a long time. Who wins here, Ivan? I know that you keep up with a lot of technology advancements. What do you Mobileye. think wins here? The best Mobileye. This mm. is Mobileye. Mobileye okay. is the pure play in um, you know, camera-driven ADAS and eventual uh, autonomous technology, full autonomous technology. And how long and, do you think that comes into play, Ivan? When will we actually start seeing consumers actually adopt this? 
Well, it's being adopted. I mean, there's mobile eye on, on a lot of vehicles. I mean, the, the value added level is going to go up right now. You know, the average ticket for mobile eye may be around $55. It could go to $2,500 per car, uh, especially as all of the automakers are increasingly talking about their focus on not only making money selling the car, but making money on ongoing software and subscription upgrades and infotainment connectivity. So uh, all of these add-on services are gonna be part of your of what you pay for your car and the service it provides. And Mobileye is a key component and they focus on camera-driven uh, technology for ADAS and autonomous systems. Are there any sectors that, uh, and I'll just go back to this again, that are, are not gonna benefit from AI, that are gonna be hurt by AI? Mm, overall, it's going to help. It's it's going to be a more company by company than sector by sector, because they're talking AI for healthcare. They're talking AI for in, industrial stocks, uh, retail, for example, uh, being able to monitor uh, consumer behavior on your website to help optimize pricing, such as airlines or cruise lines. So uh, it is going to help at every level, every company. And again, it, it's a tool and how you adopt it and how you use it to add value will have, you know, will impact a company's fortunes and stock price. Our path to 4,800. I mean, this has already been just a very nice move up. We're pausing here at 4,600. Uh, you know, where are you, where are you looking? Is it, you know, we're going to get just a sustained bid here and just crawl our way up or do you expect it just to be at, like Dennis mentioned earlier in the show, he just doesn't know if it's going to be as easy sledding in uh, the second half of the year as it was in the first half of the year. What about, what about the nature of the course to 4,800? It's, we're going to see probably, you know, the market consolidate its moves and normally August and September kind of choppy months. We could maybe see a little give back if uh, um, we see, you know, there, there's maybe unforeseen events. Mm, but no overall, I think you could see some sideways and consolidation in August and September. And by late, mid, late October, a pickup and a rally in uh, the last quarter. All right. Uh, Always great October, to have November, December. Always great to have you, Ivan. Definitely good to have, of course, Tigers Financial uh, Partners. You guys can check them out. I'll throw up a link here so you guys can check out the website and always follow Ivan. A good follow on Twitter. It's good to have you on, Ivan. Ivan the, Ivan the Wonderful instead of Ivan the Terrible. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, see you next time, Ivan. Let's get back to the markets. How are we looking, Joe? We're leaking. Still on We're the leak. Leaking. The leak. The leak Come continues. On. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, it's just a, a change in tone, and uh, just go back to last Thursday. You know the old key reversal. We were there. We were done. Market just faked everybody out on Friday, Monday. You know was uh, now we're a little again. bit of a yeah. We came back again, but it just I don't know. It just just right now this it seems like there's just a little turn in sentiment, right? You know, from this rah, 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 rah to like a, a little bit of caution in the market. But uh, what a difference. But why would that uh, come, right? Well, because the big boys are are coming on Thursday, I think. You know, oh, everyone's yeah. a little I think it's up. profit taking ahead of some of these reports here, yeah, too. Because know? why did I sell half of my AMD? You know, multiple people ask me that. You know, because I'm honestly, 
I'm kind of nervous to take it through the report because I feel like expectations are a little exactly. bit high. NVIDIA has set the higher bar. And I'm like, I still want it. I still think long-term this company is going to be higher. But short-term, it's been a pretty good run. It still came from $90 three months ago. So, I mean, I, I think expectations are still maybe a little bit. It's still a little bit too high. Last quarter wasn't yeah. great for AMD, but they bought it just because they went to this AI bubble and they started buying everything, which we kind of thought that they would do. And we were paid for that. But at this point, it's like, oh, a lot of good news is priced into a lot of stocks. So, you know, is it a, to a point here where we should be taking some profits ahead of some of these reports? I think it's prudent. So, See, you know, I'm looking at what example. reports this week. It's not a quince. I sold half my Airbnb because, well, it reports Thursday. That and I'm like, boat, I'm yeah. a little nervous to take it through the report. So I think you're going to have actually where we've had run-ups, you know, into these earnings. And that you know, historically has worked very well. Maybe at a certain point in time, you know, you get a day or two or you get right before these reports and people are like, I don't know. You know, even it's not as easy going. It's not as easy sledding, maybe, like you were saying in the second half and I was saying. So I just think it's prudent to maybe book some profits here. Uh, you know what's another stock that people are, or the investors look to be coming out of off the good report is uh, this meta. It uh, it did have the gap and go. Uh, but, I mean, there's someone firm. They're like, all day long, we're selling this at 325, 326. It's just like one of those uh, unlimited orders. Now you back 10 bucks off there. Will they form a similar wall at 320 or 321? Uh, but I, I may, I'd probably maybe keep an eye on Meta. It had the gap and go. It started on the dailies for two quarters in a row where it had the gap and go, kept on going. I don't know. This one, I think you got a better chance of filling this gap in this one down in the lower 300 handle uh, than you do blasting off to 350. You know, one thing I'd keep an eye out for is stories like Marriott, right? Let's talk about this. Uh, yesterday, I sold my Hyatt position. Why? Because I didn't know what was going to happen on Marriott, right? And the reason why I sold Hyatt is I already had a nice little lift and Marriott's earnings coming through. We don't know what's going to happen, right? These stocks have run so much that the bar is high. So yes. I got out and perfect example. Now you're seeing Marriott get hit on good numbers. Let's take a look here. Marriott Q2 EPS, $2.26 beats the $2.19 estimate. Sales of 16, uh, $6.08 billion beat the $6.05 billion estimate. They do see Q3 adjusted EPS to $2.09 versus a $2.03 estimate. And also full year 23 adjusted EPS to $8.36, high end of $8.65 versus an estimate of $8.36. So fundamentally wise, this all looks great, but yet getting the pullback. This is the theme. We've had the theme here this earnings season. It's taken a week or two to figure it out, but the theme is good numbers. They're beating analyst expectations, but they're not beating investor expectations. And what you're seeing really has been the theme is that they're, they're initially maybe popping on these earnings and then they're giving it back because investor expectations are simply too high. And that's a problem. That's a problem for this market. All about hold of 200 for Marriott here. New all-time high yesterday. New all-time closing high. Yesterday's low right in this area. So the Bulls got to make a solid defense of 200 or else things are what really wide open. I could see a couple pair of uh, a pair of daily lows at uh, 192 and a half. But uh, Bulls, you better get out there and defend 200 in Marriott.
Airbnb is one I'll be careful of. It's already gotten up there towards a resistance level. I see around 152 important level to kind of keep an eye out. And I'm seeing Marriott come down here, Hilton come down. Airbnb has been running with this. Be careful now. It's seeing a little bit of some pullback coming into Airbnb. It's prudent. And I, like I said, I've sold half of it. It's prudent to maybe be taking up some profits. I mean, Airbnb, I picked it up at 110. It's 150. It's 40 points in two months. On that was last quarter. Stock. You did that off the last report. I, AMD and Airbnb I did the same thing. They were disappointing earnings, but I'm like, this ball market continues. I'm just buying, blindly buying the dip on the earnings and it paid. So Especially now it's on like, quality okay, stocks. It's different now. It's different now. So the, yeah, they're, they're, they're names that, you know, they're, I don't know, like, yeah, yeah you, didn't, you didn't go in the ditches, names, but names that are widely followed that are exactly. likely to get bought last quarter, but we're just in a different environment here. Now I'm just going to keep saying it. Expectations are investor expectations are much higher than they were last quarter. Even if analyst expectations haven't caught up, we can clearly see that investor expectations are higher. Tesla, Netflix, all the examples that we've given through this show. And that is a problem. I'm not saying we're rolling over and this market bull market is over. I'm just saying it gets tougher going forward. JetBlue struggling today, of course. JetBlue Airways Q2 EPS 45 cents beat the 40 cent estimate sales of 2.61 billion in line. Uh, but they're starting to put out their EPS and this is not looking good. Third quarter 23 adjusted EPS looking at a loss of 20 cents to just break even versus a 40 cent in the green estimate. So definitely not what you want to see a company telling you that they're going to go under profitability, right? They, they were at profitability and then now they're really going to get hit. So that's where we got to be careful here as JetBlue slashes its 23 outlook and warn a potential loss of his current quarter. And this is really going to probably make an impact on airlines today. As you see in the, the hit come in. Yeah. What a disaster considering how good UAL and Delta and American was pretty good too i mean now even love was coming back but th this yeah. is because you this just shows you where the best of breed i think are in the airlines right now and it's not love it's not jet blue it's going to be in the top three right american delta and united uh, i think if i want to be in any airlines those are the ones i want to be in and definitely don't want to be in jet blue right now um they're also getting hit with their uh, how they got rid of uh, the American airline partnership for the North uh, West. And so that's also playing in a factor on JetBlue. Uh, down substantially here. Uh, man, just between seven and 750. I mean, I, you know, I see one daily low here. So I think if you want to be patient on this one uh, and you want to try and cover shorter, look at a potential long. I think you might not, maybe not necessarily today. Multiple lows under seven bucks. That's thirty-two cents away. Uh, so that's that's the area to take a look at uh, for JetBlue coming back on the upside after this kind of report. I'm sure a lot of people would like to see the close, which was near the low. That's interesting. Seven seventy-two was your low would fill the gap. Forty cents away. I don't think you're going to get that gap filled today in JetBlue. We've been talking negative today, and I kind of uh, we could keep that going, but I want to change things up a little bit. Let's go to Akash. That's at least in the green today. Sure. Uh, that's OSK. If you guys don't know the ticker, uh, Q2 adjusted EPS at two dollars and sixty nine cents beat the one dollar and fifty seven cent estimate. Sales of two point four one billion beat the two point two one billion estimate. And this one doesn't look bad at all. Of course, this is in farm and heavy construction machinery. We've been seeing that get the lift. 
Um, and now this is starting to play catch up. I kind of like this, especially if it can get back above 100. Right now, I'd probably give it a little critical. chance, but 100 seems critical. Yeah, psychological level always when you get to the triple digits. So you naturally think that's where it's going to run to early resistance. You can take that out, then you start thinking higher here. I'm not chasing today. It's just a tough day. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not, I don't ever chase, and I'm definitely not chasing on a day like this. But, you know, some cases it pays to chase. I mean, that Roku move, like, I cannot believe that Roku move. And I thought, you know, it was going to struggle up at 78 <laughs> or 79. It cut through 80. It cut through 90. It's thinking about 100. That's a squeeze. That's you a know, squeeze. there's a squeeze this, this going on there too. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So it's momentum was, stocks, right? These are momentum stocks. They names that everybody lose. knows. You know, like Oshkosh, nobody knows that name, but you know, everybody knows the Roku name. So I think you know it's a little bit of a different animal here. But you get that momentum cutting through, you've got to be aware, you know. And if you're you know playing at a resistance point, when resistance gets taken out, that's called a breakout. Isn't this the uh, overalls maker, Oshkosh? <laughs> no, they make no, vehicles. but that's pretty. Uh, the Oshkosh Gabosh, Oshkosh, uh, Oshkosh Bagosh, yeah, yeah, Oshkosh well, you know, Bagosh. Is that what it is? Oshkosh Bagosh. Yeah, you know, you used to have the overalls, but yeah. you wouldn't have the straps up. You would like, you would take the straps down and put them at the side, and that's how you would uh, wear the overalls back in the seventies and the eighties. Uh, if this thing got, I know you're talking about buying it over a hundred. If this thing got anywhere near one hundred one hundred four, that's a gap fill. Uh, I'd be a seller there. Have absolutely no idea where to buy this one. Top of yesterday's range is 92.29. But uh, getting into the gap area. Of course, they're supposed to get their ramp up of the USPS trucks uh, in 24. So uh, long term oh, yeah, outlook for Kosh. Um, that does look good. That's supposed to come in a ramp up in 24. Just kind of stating long term there for the stock. All right, let's finish up with Zoom Inflow Info Technologies as this stock just takes a, a beating today. It's, I think it was down about 20%, maybe might be a little bit under that now, wow. but Q2 adjusted EPS at 26 cents beats the 23 cent estimate. Sales at 308.6 million missed the 310.33 million estimate. And the EPS outlook really wasn't that bad. So they just completely hammered this on revenue outlook was a little bit lower with a 309 million outlook versus a 325 million estimate, but definitely just getting crushed. Huge, 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 super duper support at 20 to 20 and a half. That's right where you are right now. It's the natural area. You would think the stock would bounce. It's not the day to report disappointing earnings. So that is the one concern. Remember, support is support until it's broken. So I'd say if you're trying it there, you definitely got to hold 20. You start taking out 20, and then you start getting concerned. So if it could bounce at 20, you could pull a Snapchat and bounce off that level. I mean, Snap had such a hard level at 10. It bounced right off of the 10, which we predicted. I'm a little bit more spooked on this one. Just simply, it's a little bit smaller, not wide as widely followed. And the support isn't as well-defined, but it's pretty. it's pretty good support. Um, also, I mean, if you're looking for this uh, from the perspective of uh, if you shorted this thing, uh, you know, a rocket ship a little over uh, a week ago, this thing traded 30. And now you get a chance at 20 or the lower 20 handle. I mean, I don't know what kind of return that, you know, that'd be a, a very good return. I'll stick with you on the technicals on this one. Someone slammed it down to 1905. 
Uh, I don't think you get get there yet today. There's a little bit of panic. If you're looking for some kind of follow through on the upside, since you reached that depressed level, uh, the high of the rebound has been 2143. One thing before you go, I just had Spinner uh, messaging me on Twitter. Spinner, longtime listener in the chat, one of our first listeners from nine years ago uh, when we first started the show. Um, great source of information as well. Uh, Spinner just saying, hey, uh, just pay attention because he's not in the chat today, but he said, just pay attention to TLT today too. And I'm like, you're right. TLT getting hit here once again, quietly. And we talked about this a couple of days ago, but quietly Bonds the lead, TLT right? is trying to make a new 52-week low, or at least a 2023 low, not quite to 52 because it was October, got down 91. But it's trying to make new lows, the TLT. And that is concerning for the overall market. We know when the TLT started to break down, Back in July of last year, that was, you know, the precipice for a significant stock market sell-off. This TLT, now ease, now well below $100, is a concern. Uh, Definitely. You know, I, I, you know, I talked about this before, and I don't know if it was before the last uh, the last Fed meeting or whatever, but it didn't work. It, the market kept on blasting. But, man, bonds were a really good indicator. Uh, the TLT when it you know hit those lows in October, and then I remember the 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 thirty year just hitting a wall at uh, at one thirty four. Now we're quite a ways off that, but uh, good thing to point out. Uh, I'm gonna leave you guys. We're down twenty handles right in the area of yesterday's low. So if the bulls want to get a little sympathetic rally here, get it above that. Work our way back into forty six hundred. I'm still gonna keep an eye on that level. On a closing basis, so great job today covering a lot of earnings and great having Ivan on. And I'll yeah. be back with you guys later on. Going to have uh, Christian Fromherz join me on the closing print today to get his uh, appraisal of uh, the recent price action. All right. Thank you, Joel. Like always, you guys can keep up with Joel on Pre-Market Prep Plus. And uh, we're going to start wrapping it up here. Um, one stock that just caught my attention, and I wanted to hear Dennis' reaction to it. What about good old Nicola? Nicola. Nicola. This is what we were oh, talking about man. Tupperware. Same thing. Yeah, same You're thing. seeing these squeezes of these names that companies that you know are struggling or you know teetering on you know not being around anymore. Yeah. They're buying these right now, and this is more indicative of the late cycle of a bull market. This is more indicative of not the early cycle, but the late cycle. We've seen this time and time again when they start combing the ditches and just buying everything. It's time where where you should start thinking about taking profits and other stuff. So it gives me more conviction in my profit-taking mentality. And that's where we're at right now. We're not so much like, oh, we're going short stocks and they're going to zero, but we're booking profits. That's what I'm doing is booking profits on some of the good stocks that, you know, I've done really well in the last quarter. You know, they've been big moves. So I think it's time and be prudent to book profits. And this stuff, with stuff happening like this makes me want to book profits even more. Yeah, and I think about it this way, right? If we book profits, then we can actually look for pullbacks and not be caught, you know, with the face like, oh man, now now we're getting caught in this move, right? Yeah. I think that's yeah. the important thing sometimes of as a bull is that you know it's easy to just stay in the positions, I feel like, and just look to see them keep moving. But I think it's even harder to determine when you want to take that profit and then look for a pullback entry, right? And then you got to be patient because the truth is you're going to probably need that pullback to get back into the name. And that's what I'm looking for in a lot of these names. I'm looking for a little bit of a pullback. Is it going to be massive? 
No, I don't think it'll be massive, but I think we could get maybe, you know, 10, 20% pullbacks in a lot of these names. And that could be a big opportunity for money for to sure. back into the market, right? Yeah. Um, and get especially those in this dollars back to work, you get that 10%, 15% pullback in the overall market. And people think that's absurd to think about, but we've run a long ways. Yeah. And the S&P rotation has kept it going higher. We know the rotation, but the, you know, you just like it's it's we've come a long ways. That's just the bottom line. We had key reversals in a number of stocks on the Thursday. It spooked me out of some stocks for the Friday. What's happened here now is we didn't make new highs. So we got a lot of those losses back, but a lot of the stocks failed to make new highs. Apple did not make a new high after the key reversal there. QQQ's tried, but it's kind of struggling at that high from Thursday. We're struggling at those Thursday highs here, and that is concerning. I mean, there is some stocks bouncing back. Um, you know, you, you've seen Netflix here in the last few days really have a nice bounce back and snap back rally as the buy the dippers are starting to emerge there. But it's definitely just it's, it's a little feel like you were saying earlier, a little feels like a little bit of a change in sentiment here. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean like it's a it's a bad and that's thing. Healthy. I think that, yeah, it's healthy. I, I would rather stocks pull back than just continue ripping. Right. Because let's just be honest. How can we join those parties? We have to stay with the trend and be very, very nimble. And I think that a pullback is is what bulls are probably going to need really to keep this market going, right? Because we'll get a little bit of a pullback. You'll wash out some of those long-term bulls. And of course, the traders will be ready to step up for the buy the pullback opportunities. We'll see what happens. Like always, we'll be here. Pre-market prep, Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader. Always, you can check us out on Twitter, MoneyMitchBZ. We're always here to also answer questions. If you guys have ideas, like you saw Dennis, someone reach out to Dennis today and give him some information, feel free to do that also. We're always here to help you guys continue forward and get you ready for the market. Of course, pre-market prep, ready to level the playing field for you guys and keep you going on your trading journey. Now to get you guys over to live trading, that's coming up next. We'll see what I can get into today. Um, still got about seven swing trades. Took Hyatt off yesterday. Um, not a bad position. Still have some oil on XOM looking good. We'll see what happens in oil overall. I saw WTI really getting the jump. Um, and I'm keeping an eye out uh, on oil overall. There was some news out there. Uh, looks like the EIA did some revisions in U.S. oil demand and supply, showing that demand is really jumping in the U.S. And that alone could keep driving these oil stocks. Find out on live trading if these oil stocks keep going. You guys will see me trading them. And then, of course, you guys can check out later today. Of course, we got the book club. I want you guys to get over to the book club if you haven't joined already. We have over 650 members now as we keep moving on in the in the book club. Of course, we're in Market Wizards right now, and uh, I've been working really hard to get through this. This is not a, a small book. It has a lot of interviews from top traders that have made it in this industry, of course, if you guys want to check it out, uh, they all do different things in here. And I think one of the things that you get out of this book is you get a lot of tips, a lot of easy tips on how to be in this market uh, for a long time, right? How do you make a career out of trading? I think this book really helps in that case. A lot of the psychological outlooks that you need to do and some technical things to follow by, right? I think it's a very important book to check out, Market Wizards. If you want to check that out, come over today. That's going to be at 7.30 Eastern. And we will have AMD's conference call. I will be tuning into that and streaming it here on Benzinga. So don't go anywhere, team. A lot more for you guys right here on Benzinga today. Now to get you over to live trading, that's going to start up in just about two minutes. Don't go anywhere, team. 
Let's go see what trading we can find today.